Hello, it's us again. Welcome to Fact Orally, with me, Bruce Fielding, and... Me, Simon Wells. Hello, welcome back. And this week, we, we, thought, we'd, we thought we'd talk dirty to you, because we, as, <laughs> as, as voiceovers, we're very, we're very yeah, good we'll, at talking dirty. We'll get dirty. our deep, sexy yeah, voices we'll get, out. We'll get those voices out. Yeah. But then we thought, nope, we're going to be very clean this week. <laughs> so cleaning is what we're going to discuss. And again, with all of these topics it seems that we think we've got a very simple subject and <laughs> so, suddenly it turns into this my god cleaning is a huge thing the can is open and the worms are everywhere i know <laughs> i guess ever since man uh, well i suppose even animals kind of you know mm. you get you get you when your when your cat's lying on the, on on the mat with its uh, back leg in the air and its tongue <laughs> <laughs> Looking like it's playing the cello. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's cleaning. But I mean, I, I think what we're probably going to be talking about today is more sort of like third party. Yes. Uh, yes. Where, where we're actually about sort of making something that was dirty clean. Yes. Deliberately. Using some form of, of product or system. Yes. And, and I, I suppose for, for, for many, many years, being clean was, was actually perceived as being a bad thing. People, you know, people had a bath twice a year because it was it was the thing to do. Right. Um, yes. And and you stay dirty. I mean, you know, you stay you stay warmer. You stay, you know, uh, after a while. Apparently, um, if you don't wash your hair, for example, in yeah. sh with shampoo for for some time, initially it goes all sort of greasy and smelly and horrible. But after after some months, it actually starts to return to some sort of semblance of. Cleanliness. If you just have really? to rinse it with water, you don't actually have to use shampoo. So, so it sort of keeps itself in its own equilibrium of of cleanness. Yes. Brilliant. So, so, but, but you but, would have to go through that nasty social pariah phase of smelling yes. in order to get there. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, you know, per, and per, personal hygiene was never really a thing up until, well, up until I guess you know the First World War. Mm. Is that that recent that people sort of didn't really bother too much about? Yeah, you know, that that's what perfumes for. Yes, to cover it up. Yes, yes, rather than actually doing anything about it. Yes, yeah. I suppose there are some you know exceptions to the rule. I I found, uh, I found one of the earliest roots of um, a cleaning based product. We don't know whether this was for personal hygiene or for cleaning the floor or, or whatever it was but um some archaeologists found that the, the babylonians around 2800 bc were making soap ah. uh, they they found a, a clay cylinder with an inscription on it which translated as fat boiled with ash which to me doesn't sound like a great cleaning <laughs> product but apparently that's what they established it was <laughs> there you go. i mean i guess you know there, there were roman baths but but yes. they they were more kind of like a place to be sociable yes. rather than actually a place to you know to to do under your armpits. Yeah, a bit bit more like a spa. Yes, but yeah, I mean, I, even even as a you know as as recent as you know the forties and fifties, you know, people had a bath once a week, mm. which mm. was and that was seen as perfectly acceptable. When I was when I was a very young child, having a bath twice a week was was perfectly normal. Mm. And because the whole family used the same bath regularly and the water was sort of getting murkier and murkier that's what gave rise to the phrase don't throw the baby out with the bathwater," because you might you might potentially lose the baby <laughs> in this filthy dirty murky water with everyone else's grime in it yes 
the history of personal hygiene is is absolutely vast. It used to be that there was like you know you had Wright's cold tar soap or you had Lux if you were if if you were rich, mm. um, and you had Vosine if if if, if uh, for a shampoo and you had that maybe there were a couple other shampoos, mm. and then suddenly marketing took off, and. Brand and, and brand differentiation, and you know, oh, what kind of hair do you have? What kind of skin do you have? Yes. What kind of you know? And then the the supermarket shelves that used to have a very small area of of, of uh, facing for um, for cleaning products, hmm. suddenly an entire aisle is full of personal hygiene products. Yes, yes, because every single one has a different a different fragrance to it. Some are for sensitive skin. Some, as you say, that you've got particular anti-dandruff brands or anti-thin hair brands or, or whatever yes the choices are endless i know i know <laughs> and 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 i've I, and i think generally the choices are kind of a bit made up <laughs> possibly when i when i was at uh, when i was at art school um we had to do a project which was to invent invent a product and and then do a commercial for it hmm. the the product that i invented was at that time, there were no, believe it or not, there were no shampoos specifically for men. Really? Really. Huh. You had a women's shampoo and family shampoo, and that was it. Right, okay. So I thought, well, okay, well, let's have a shampoo for men. We'll call it Barbershop. Right. It came in a, a, a bottle that was like a, a Barbershop striped pole, red and, yeah. red and white striped pole. And I thought, all right, now I need to do a, a commercial for this thing. So I had this script, which was... Um, a load of people uh, disguise themselves by greasing back their hair really, really <laughs> greasily. Yeah. And sort of wearing a, a mask over their faces. And then they, they rob a bank and they, they go away. And then they all wash their hair in barbershop shampoo, which makes it all bouffant <laughs> and flouncy. And then they go back and deposit the same money into their accounts yeah. at the bank and nobody recognises them. Wonderful. Because their hair is just so much better. So that's exactly what we did. And I, I made this commercial for, for Barbershop Shampoo for Men. Oh, and I, and I actually made the shampoo. I went to... Um, really? I went to Lever Brothers. And um, I asked to speak to somebody who, who was the like, chief scientist on the shampoo side. Hmm. And I said, could we make one that was specifically for men? He said, oh, sure, we could do some now. We'll, we'll just put the things together. And I'll actually make you some shampoo. So it may be that because I went to see this guy. Are you actually suggesting <laughs> that you may have accidentally invented shampoo for men? Uh, yeah, well, possibly. Every time I chat to you, I learn something new. This is incredible. <laughs> no, it, it, I, I may be over-egging it a bit there, but I, I definitely talked to the guy who was in charge and wow. definitely suggested to him, which he hadn't thought of before. Well, I think that's, I think that's a claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, there are lots of other types of, of cleaning. We've talked about cleaning oneself, um, but pretty much everything else in our lives needs cleaning. So the, the, the dishes need cleaning, the clothes need cleaning, the house needs cleaning, the car needs cleaning. And, and there are loads of different types of, of products and uh, methods of going about cl cleaning all of these different things. Uh, so I went down the route of house cleaning and um, I was looking at alternative cleaning products because modern day cleaning products you know you, you have to wear 
rubber gloves. You occasionally have to wear a face mask if you're using something really, really strong yes. to do the floor with. Um, sensitive skin uh, and, and all that sort of stuff. So there are a whole raft of different homemade alternatives to these products. And I started looking around thinking, oh, there are going to be loads and loads of examples of this. And it's really boring because essentially they all just consist of vinegar, water, lemon juice and bicarbonate of soda in in different proportions and different measures but that is that is the basic cleaning product uh, you could take any any one of those out and replace them with something else but that is essentially what a cleaning product wow. is wow so Isn't flash jiff all that stuff is is basically the same stuff pretty much with a few extra twists along the way a lot i'm sure a lot of it is is purely down to the smell if you took away the smell it would basically be the same product um a couple of things i found about um homemade cleaning alternatives um i'd never heard of this before but there's there's a, a an item of food called a soap nut okay have you heard of soap nuts i have not so they're they're actually called the indian soap berry they're not a nut at all but soap nuts are sounds you, more fun are you sure it's not a droop <laughs> maybe a droop or even a pulse who knows but these these things indian soap berries uh they're the fruit of a tree called the sapindus mucurosi tree which is native to the himalayas and you pick these berries they they do look a little bit nut like they sort of have a husk but then there's a, a berry inside that looks something like a, a black grape you pick these things dry them crush them and it produces this very odd sort of foaming soap-like substance. Ah. And for thousands of years, people have been using this as a, as a natural form of soap. And there's a bit of a, a resurgence in, in the, modern, the modern days of organic stuff to, to sort of bring these things back. And they can be used for laundry detergent, dish and hand soap, shampoo, body wash, pet cleaning wash and mosquito repellent. Wow. So... Get yourself some soap nuts. <laughs> everything from soap to nuts. Indeed, and everything in between. <laughs> Another great thing that I've, I've seen, I've actually seen someone using this uh, for cleaning bare wooden floorboards, is coffee grounds. Oh. You just sprinkle a load of coffee grounds all over your floorboards and then sweep them up again. And it acts as a sort of exfoliant for the wood. And it makes the wood nice and shiny, gets rid of all the in-ground dirt, and has the benefit of leaving your house smelling like fresh coffee. That's a brilliant idea. I, I, I shall definitely not try that. Given the cost of coffee, I, I think that would, <laughs> that would be quite... Although uh, the, the, this scattering or, or dry stuff to, to clean is quite interesting because uh, you, they used to use fuller's earth, you know, the very, that very, very fine yes. earth, yes. Um, to clean clothes. Did they? And basically you just rub, rub the fuller's earth on the clothes and the fuller's earth would pull out all the moisture that was attached to the, oh. the smells and the, and the germs and stuff in the, in, the, in the material. Right. And then go away. Fantastic. I used to think fuller's earth was just the, the name of a particular brand of beer. From Chiswick. Yes. Yes, from Chiswick. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Fuller, Fuller's Earth is, um, is is very useful for all sorts of things, including cleaning. But the the, the idea of cleaning without using water is quite interesting because dry cleaning as as a thing was a has been around for quite a while with people mm. using something that isn't water to to clean clothes. I suppose water is just sort of the the, the easiest, most obvious thing to think of, isn't it? You're going back to ancient times settlements naturally gathered around bodies of water usually rivers um as, as a source of you know drink 
and the ability to clean. So it's just always been there. You know, you, you, we, we all know that you flush your toilet and it involves water. You, you do the dishes, it involves water. Yes. But I suppose as we, as we get more and more into the territory of, of water shortages and, um, you know, trying to conserve what we use, maybe the idea of, of dry cleaning uh, will become more prevalent. Well, we t- we talked about cars. Well, you, you mentioned cars and cleaning cars. There's a, there's a couple of wonderful things about cleaning cars. The first thing is with with dry cleaning, you can dry clean a car. Can you? Um, so there's a thing called snow cleaning, and <laughs> it's a ama- if, if if you if you get online, go to YouTube and, and look at some videos of CO two snow cleaning. What okay. they do is they reclaim CO two from industry, so there's no extra CO two generated to go yeah. into the atmosphere. So it's, it's so it's neutral chill it down till it becomes a liquid, and then blast it at cars um, to clean them. Right. So what happens is that the, the, the frozen CO2 becomes a snow as it comes out of the nozzle of the cleaning. Thing. Yeah. The, the CO2 freezes the dirt, which makes right. it crack and crumble. So oh. there are holes in it. Then the gas gets into the holes, expands and like explodes the, the 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 dirt. So if you if you watch these things, there's like a a car that's been you know completely covered in mold or or dust or mess or oil, and you just do this, and it gets straight back, very 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 gently, because it only affects the dirt. It doesn't affect the the, yes, the material bit below it. Yeah. Um. To the way it left the factory. That's awesome. I want that. And you can you can actually have it done to your car. You can find people who do snow cleaning. Right. That's one to put, <laughs> put in the search engine after the show. Thank but the, you. Uh, the, other, the other thing that's quite interesting is one of the most expensive ways that you can uh, polish your car mm. is with uh, carnauba wax. Right. And carnauba wax is uh, flakes from the leaf of a plant. You basically mm. you dry the leaves and, and it cracks, the, the wax cracks off the leaves and then you distill it down and you, and you have pure carnauba wax. And then you, to make it into a good car wax, you uh, mix it with various things like uh, beeswax, for example, to mm. make it softer and more malleable. And then if, if you're doing your car properly, you take a, a little bit of the, of the carnauba wax in your hand, roll it between your uh, hands so, so, so like it goes liquid because of the heat of your body. Yes. And then you sort of rub your hands over the car to apply... Oh, you just give your car a little massage. You, yes, exactly. It's oh. like a, a bit of smoothing for the car. Lovely. Let's say you wanted like a couple of hundred grams of, of this stuff, mm. and you and you did have five hundred and seventy pounds to what? spend. <laughs> on, <laughs> really? On a two hundred gram tub of the yes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Ouch. But but the other thing they use carnauba wax for, which I mean, apart from cleaning cars. Is to put a shine on on sweets, so things like M and M's uh, and all, all that stuff. It, it, it's shiny because of basically because of car wax, because of carnauba. But there's another thing about cleaning, which is uh, crime scene cleaning. Okay, that's which not where like, I thought you were going to go. <laughs> which is something that you can actually get qualified for. You you can get a certificate. In in crime scene cleaning, you know, okay. like you know, Mr. Wolf in yes. uh, Pulp Fiction who cleans the car out. Is it Harvey Harvey Cartel? I can't remember who it, it is. It is Harvey Cartel, yeah. Winston Wolf, <laughs> Mr. Wolf, and you can actually do that for a living. Wow! So, 
if if there's been some kind of crime, and then the, after the police are finished, and and the, just before the tape comes down, they send in the crime scene cleaners. Brilliant. And they they're all trained in how to deal with you know everything from like blood and guts and bone and and, and what have you mm. to um, needles. Some of these crimes happen in very sort of mucky areas, sure. so they, they're trained on how to deal with pigeon shit and oh, wow. all the other all the other stuff that you would imagine. Fantastic. That's uh, a very niche piece of work, isn't it? Well, yes. Can you can you imagine going to a party and saying I'm a cleaner, and people going, "Oh yeah, fine, fine yeah." Fine. And you go, "Well, I, I actually I I clean up after crimes." Oh, far cooler. And then immediately the entire dining table is like listening, just hanging on your every yeah. word. Yeah. So as part of as part of my research here, talking about cleaning, we're going down the house cleaning route. I decided to have a, a quick look at vacuum cleaners, um, and the the hoover brand of vacuum cleaners was was so synonymous with the item itself that people say i'm going to hoover the lounge or i'm yes, going to do with the, their dyson well, yes i'm going to hoover with my dyson yeah it doesn't work at all does it um but that sort of got me thinking to to you know how did the vacuum cleaner come about and i found that the first vacuum cleaner was a british invention hooray uh, hooray go us uh, it was created by a gentleman called Hubert Cecil Booth. You can't of get much more of a British name than that. In 1901, uh, there was already a, a machine at the time that was used for cleaning the house, but it was uh, it was more like a leaf blower. So it blew air at the carpets. It raised all the dust up, and then you sort of pushed the dust towards a, a collecting bag. Um, now that was okay for a while, but uh, Hubert Cecil Booth decided to make it go go the other way around, and uh, he set up the British Vacuum Cleaner Company in 1901, and that was the first vacuum cleaner. So, how big was this vacuum cleaner? No idea. I didn't actually look up any pictures of it. Ah, well, I I I happen to know this because I, I I I once did a thing called Very British Facts, and one of the um, one of the facts was about vacuum cleaners. Oh, perfect. And so the the original ones were horse drawn. They were actually a carriage oh. that um, turned up outside your house <laughs> with tubes, and the tubes would run into the house from the horse drawn carriage. Oh, wonderful! And the, they'd sort of start up some sort of motor inside it. Yeah, and it would that would be the way that they sucked the the dirt out of your home, and you'd have to book it. Yes, and this cha- this chap Booth would turn turn up a, a Booth's vacuum cleaners on the side yes. of this this cart. And uh, would would come and vacuum your house. Oh, that's great! And then only a handful of years after that, we we have to give credit to the Americans. Um, the first upright vacuum cleaner, the first thing that you and I would recognise as a household vacuum cleaner these days, was invented by an American gentleman called James Murray Spangler, who was from Ohio, and he created this thing in 1908. Uh, he was asthmatic and he was convinced that, that the dust in his carpet was, was giving him a hard time. And um, at the time, everyone was using carpet sweepers, which ah. which did a, a certain amount of good. But it did leave an awful lot of dust kicked up into the air uh, and, and was effective. So the carpet sweepers, like, well, when I was growing up, we had a thing called a U-bank. A U-bank. Did you have to talk with a lisp as you were using it? It, it came in a box. No, it was... Um, <laughs> it's It's... It's like the the wheels drive um, a beater in that's got four wheels on it, and the four yes. wheels drive a beater that 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 pushes the dirt into collectors. It's like a small tin collector either side of the yes. of the wheels. 
and then just attach to a long handle long and handle. You, you push it backwards and forwards yeah, and, and it's, sweep. It's a, it's a bit like the, the carpet equivalent of the old-fashioned lawnmower. Yes. Oh, you're right. That's exactly what it looks like. Yes. <laughs> um, so James Murray Spangler was, was using one of these carpet sweepers, coughing a lot, and uh, he, he decided to take the, the previous idea of the vacuum cleaner and make it smaller and more manageable and, you know, household-friendly. And uh, he, he created this item, which he then started to produce in, in small numbers, he gave one to his cousin called Susan Troxell Hoover. Ah. She was married to a fellow called William Henry Hoover, and he sort of took the idea uh, with Mr. Spangler's permission and, and ran with it. Um, William Henry Hoover was a leather goods producer uh, along with his son, and so they sort of had the idea of using their leather goods to make a bag to, to collect the dirt that was sucked up. Mm-hmm. And um, the rest is history. That's how we had Hoover's. <laughs> Is that is that why it's called a Henry, the 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 Hoover that we have in the UK? We have a little sort of strange mm. tug about thing. Why but not? They're called Henry let's, Hoovers, aren't they? Let's say yes. <laughs> There's a whole family of Henry Hoovers, aren't they? So, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's a little cylindrical, squat, usually red vacuum cleaner. Yes. Um, sits about two foot off the ground, perhaps, um, and it has a, a black hose coming out of of the side of it with a pair of eyes drawn onto the onto the side of the machine to make it look like he's he's sort of sucking up the dirt through its through its through nose, its nose. Um, and that's the henry hoover but then uh, other variations have been created in in various different colors uh, the most recent one i think is a pink one called henrietta hoover just to keep things equal oh how sweet not nice one of the biggest jobs in cleaning any household up to, up to quite recently was chimney sweeping. Oh yes, of course. And uh, chim- chimney cleaning was is a was a proper art mm. of um, how to you know to get to get that brush up there and not to make the room that the brush was going in from covered in soot when the when yeah. the soot was coming down after the gar- after the chimney sweep. Yeah. Uh, would would bring the would bring the brush down and bring all the soot down, and they originally used these very large cotton sacks, mm. and actually sort of taped them around the the uh, the fireplace, mm. and um, the the chimney sweep would have to be in there to actually put put uh, the brush up. So they they obviously inhaling carcinogens and all sorts of yeah. horrible things, um, but that's why you know the chimney the the classic look of the chimney sweep is covered in soot. Because they would be inside the bag doing the cleaning. Oh, wonderful! Well, not wonderful for them, obviously. No. But these days they use a, a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Do they? Yes. Fine. Okay. And also they have like a they have a bag with a slit in it, so they can actually get the the brush. Yes. And uh, assemble it through 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 a slit, and then push it up, and then everything's vacuumed. It's all nice and neat and clean, and chimney sweeps don't look um, like chimney sweeps anymore. I, when I when I was living in um, in Tufnell Park, there was a we had fireplaces in every room, mm. which was amazing. So we had to have them cleaned from time to time. Mm. And we found we found a guy who was the first one in the telephone directory called AA Chimney Sweep. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. His name was probably Jeff Johnson, but you see, we thought that that was the reason why he called himself AA Chimney Sweeps. When he turned up, he was deaf. So we would say things to him and he'd go, hey, hey. Oh, fantastic. 
Now, the other uh, element of cleaning around the house, which I personally hate doing, is cleaning the windows. Um, I thought you were going to say toilet, but fair enough, windows. I'd rather clean a toilet than the windows, actually. Really? There's, there's less of it. <laughs> <laughs> there were just too many windows. And I was having a, a think about window cleaning and, and the way that's changed since the days of... Um, what's the man with the ukulele called? I knew you were going to ask me that. George... Formby. Um, Formby. When I'm cleaning windows. Him. Um, yes, we've sort of gone from the the, the idea of a, a, a person shimmying up a ladder with a, a sponge and a squeegee, which obviously does still happen largely around residential areas. Um, but more and more, I'm I'm beginning to see people in inner cities cleaning industrial or commercial buildings with an incredibly long pole. Uh, and these poles are sort of put together in stages. They have a brush on the end, and they are attached to a, a tank of water and a pump, yeah. usually inside a van. And uh, the person stands on the ground floor with this incredibly long pole, cleaning the windows on these office blocks. And uh, I found that there was a Guinness World Record for the <laughs> the longest window cleaning pole ever. And uh, this was a, a company called Harvard Window Cleaning, based in, in Bournemouth. And uh, they managed to put together a, a window cleaning pole that was 35 metres long. Wow. Or 115 feet. And this thing managed to reach the 10th floor on an office block. So you had this chap standing on the ground floor with this ridiculously long pole, which I think that the stats said uh, was about the length of three double-decker buses, or interestingly, 33 Windsor Davises. That's a, that's, that's a, a unit of measure. Isn't that great? One Windsor Davis. Um, so yes, this, this cleaning company has the world record for the longest window cleaning pole. I just, have a, I just have an image in my head of this guy just, you know, when you're sort of holding something quite tall, which is heavier at the top. Yes. And it starts to overbalance. Yes. And you have to sort of run. Absolutely. If it goes to the left, you sort of have to run to the left to kind of catch it. I really I'm hope just, that's how it looked. Because, I mean, you used to see guys in those um, cr- um, like cradles cleaning cradles to, oh suspended to, to off the side yes. of the the building yeah yeah do we still get those we must do i i guess i guess they have to happen although a lot of apparently a lot of glass these days is self-cleaning is it yes how and it's actually got a got a material within the glass that that repels water really so yes huh. so um i suppose that's probably cheaper and safer <laughs> yes yeah and and easier wow so any are there any other guinness records for cleaning there are actually a, a couple, yes. The, the, this people tend to uh, find any way of getting a, a Guinness World Record. Have you have you got one? No, have you? No, I haven't. Maybe I've, we should I, get I, one. Shall we try and get one? Or shall I we get know, one in? I don't know. Hopefully, voiceover. Be a nice idea, wouldn't it? <laughs> most most how. number of words spoken in a minute, or oh, that no, that, that speed reading, I, I, speed talking. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Well, if anyone has any ideas of a, a vacant Guinness World Record that Bruce and I could have a crack at, please do let us know. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I found a couple of other Guinness World Records uh, relating to, to cleaning. There is a Guinness World Record for the quickest window cleaner, which has been held for the last 20 years Wow! Uh, by a gentleman called Terry Turbo Burrows. <laughs> and... Um, he managed to clean three office windows, which were 45 by 45 inches. And he managed to clean these three windows in 9.14 seconds. <gasps> and he, wow. And he did this at an event which I really want to go to. The National Window Cleaning Competition in Blackpool. 
Isn't that great? Goodness me. I mean, are there judges also to see whether it's streaky or... I don't know whether the quality of the cleaning is in, in question. You'd like to think so, because otherwise it wouldn't be clean, would it? But there's there's one, one record. Uh, another record for cleaning was the most number of cars washed in an eight-hour period. Uh, and this record is held by a, a company in USA called Napa Auto Parts. And this record was set in April 2019. They managed to get the community together. They sort of involved some charities and um, some, some local local kids as well. <laughs> they managed to clean 7,197 vehicles in eight hours. Seven th- so that's just under 1,000 an hour? Just under 1,000 vehicles an hour. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Uh, so, yes, that's a few little a few little world records around cleaning. Goodness me. Well, I, I, I take my time when I'm cleaning a car. Do you? I do. I, I, I find it a, a very sort of relaxing thing to do. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, a two, I'm a two sponge guy. I've always <laughs> thought that about you. <laughs> <laughs> wax on, wax off. Exactly. We are very opposite people in this respect. I drive my car to a local petrol station and uh, go through one of those automated things <gasps> that scratches the daylights no. out of your window. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Heathen. <laughs> I sit there with with them um, at the car wash playing on my stereo. It takes all of three minutes and then you can get on with your life. Office, office cleaning is um, is a whole different thing. Isn't it? There's a, there's a whole industry based on uh, what they call contract cleaning, where basically the, the cleaner will go into an office every single day and um, clean up after the staff have have left or before they arrive in the morning, and uh, go through, go through the bins and, and actually make sure that the environment is like healthy for the, for the employees. There used to be a company called Phonatas, right? And this is when uh, there were proper um, landlines on everybody's desks in their office. Mm. And Phonatas would come in every two or three months. And there would be a a man or a woman in a uniform, a Phonatas uniform, who would come with Mm. a spray and and a kind of like a a microfiber cloth and clean all of the handsets of all of the uh, phones in the office. Which back in the day would have been thousands upon yes. thousands of yes. handsets. Wow. I mean, you should technically. I mean, if you think about it with mobile phones, you're breathing and coughing into your phone all the time. So it's, it's, yes. a, it's a breeding ground for germs. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, I sort of give my phone a, a cursory wipe every now and then, but only because the screen has become smudged and I can't see properly. It's never really occurred to me that I should <laughs> properly clean it for hygiene's yes. sake. But that, that does make yeah. sense. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, one of the reasons why Florence Nightingale was mm. the nurse that she was and why she saved so many lives was actually because of her, her cleanliness regimes. Yes. And, and the fact that she actually ran, ran a clean hospital. Mm. It's just a mm. question of working out that people actually got sick because they were dirty. Some people credit her with inventing the pie chart. Really? Yes. Uh, because she actually kept stats and records of who was getting sick where. Oh. And could then prove that the cleaner places were actually uh, people were recovering better in cleaner hospitals than than other places. Well done, Florence. 
So I guess we've pretty much cleaned up on uh, on cleaning products. Oh, I see what you did there. That was good. <laughs> so um, thank you very much to our listener, Gary. Thank you for your loyalty. We appreciate <laughs> it. Tell some of your friends. <laughs> yes, that would be nice. <laughs> and and if you have any comments or, or stories about cleaning, uh, put them in the chat. Indeed. Um, please do all the things you're supposed to do, like, subscribe, yeah. share. Shout about it in the street. Yes, and if you if you enjoy this sort of thing, we do this sort of thing every every week. There's an endless repository of useless, useful facts for you. Absolutely. Right at your fingertips. <laughs> Thank you very much, and we'll see you uh, next time. Cheerio. Bye now. Bye.